Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Jeremy Drysdale. Welcome. Thanks, Stuart. Hi. This is your returning guest for those that are new to the show. Jeremy was on here, whoa, aeons ago. And uh, and here he is with his new film, Line of Duty, which you are the screenwriter of. And before we go into any details about that, do you want to, A, tell people how and where they can see it? Uh, I do. But before we do that, I should I should just point out that uh, for, for British uh, um, listeners, that it's Line of Duty in America, because, of course, we already have a very successful TV show called Line of Duty. In Britain, it's called In the Line of Duty. When I wrote it, it was actually called Neither of Those Things. Uh, but the Americans uh, decided that they were going to call it Line of Duty. And so we had to come up with something that was similar, but not quite the same. So if you're looking to watch it in the UK... Uh, and in most of Europe, it's called In the Line of Duty. And if you're in the States, it's Line of Duty. was kidnapped you shot the only lead that we had it is um available now it went to cinemas uh, everywhere pretty much um and it's now available to watch on pay-per-view you can watch it on apple tv you can watch it on amazon prime or sky or bt vision uh, or those uh those platforms and it is available also to order uh, at a very reasonable price on dvd well, that'll teach me to look at your fancy pants poster artwork with the lovely circle. <clears throat> Which now, now you've told, now you've said that reminds me. You said that's the American poster, didn't you? I, I did, and you know what? I've been trying to get hold of a copy of it. Yeah. And that nobody, nobody sent, nobody can send me one. Nobody seems to have one. Nobody wants, if they have got it, nobody wants to send it to me. So, if any listeners out there have got a copy, not that they're likely to, of the uh, the the sort of circular. Line of Duty poster, um, then uh, I would kill for a, um, a copy of it. So please get in touch and let me know. It's a beautiful piece of artwork for anyone that wants to check it out on IMDb. But uh, before we go into even more detail about the whys and wherefores of this movie, do you want to give people a brief synopsis as to what the film is all about? Okay, okay. Uh, the film stars Aaron Eckhart, uh, and basically he plays a, uh, a sort of an old rundown cop who is coming towards the end of his career as a policeman. He's screwed up a number of things. Uh, he's based in, uh, when, when I wrote it, he was, it was an, uh, he was a New Orleans cop. Uh, it was actually shot in Birmingham, Alabama. So I guess he's a Birmingham, Alabama cop now, but, uh, he's, um, uh, he's had a few setbacks. He is just a street cop. He's getting on a bit. He's kind of a bit overweight and he's, uh, he's, he's just not really, you know, the, the usual action hero that we would get in a movie like this. And he gets involved uh, in a chase at the beginning of the movie that he's not supposed to be involved with. They tell him to stand down, but because he happens to be there anyway, he decides that he's going to get involved. 
and he ends up shooting the guy that everyone's chasing because he thinks the guy's about to kill him. Uh, and um, it transpires that this fella is a kidnapper and he's turned up for the money drop. And he's kidnapped a small child who is sealed in an airtight container somewhere in the city. And the idea is the guy is going to give uh, the location of the child uh, to the cops once the money has been picked up. But of course, now he's been shot by our guy. Nobody knows where she is. She could be anywhere in the city. And she's only at this point now got about 75 minutes of air left. So it's a real time action thriller. We are with Aaron Eckhart as he barrels around the city. He decides, although they send him, they take his, uh, I think his gun, take his shield, uh, and they send him back to base, which is what happens when you get involved in a, in a, in a shooting. If you're a cop in the States, hmm. he decides he's not going to do that. And he's going to find this kid because obviously he now feels responsible for her. Uh, and he's followed around by a young cub reporter who is filming live and streaming on the internet. It's a thoroughly, I guess, a thoroughly modern modern film and reflects society, that idea of watching the film and then watching the news coverage within the film, which means that while, while, while in traditional sort of thriller, in thriller stories we may have seen in the past, you're t you tended to you tended to be able to stick with the hero, but in this in this social media heavy world we live in, there is no such thing, and it's quite it's quite amazing to see how how that sort of stretches out the idea of how many eyes are on this horrendous what is it you know to save someone's life, chase to the death kind of thing. Um, and then social media gets involved, and it's almost like, oh, social media is not fun now. It's a serious thing, and there's this one copper running around LA. Yeah, well, everything's public now, so you know everything is up there. And uh, you know, this is a guy who really doesn't understand how this this sort of thing works. So, you know, this this girl is irritating to him. This woman, young woman, is irritating to him because she's she's trailing around after him, and, and she, he can't get rid of her. And he doesn't initially understand that although she is hugely annoying, uh, there are benefits to her being there because she can shortcut the process. She can bring people in and he can use her to help him find this kid. And obviously, I'm not going to tell you if he succeeds or not. Of course. Uh, no, I was going to say, because that's that's the clever thing about it, is it? it's sort of this annoying itch that he can't scratch. And then it becomes, then it sort of develops into an asset that uh, enables him to... Uh, to move on with what he's trying to do, um, but before we go, before we get, we completely sort of unpack all the film. I'd like, I mean, given given all those kind of big ideas floating around, um, and it is interesting to see a film that starts off in that in that traditional sense. You've got the, you know, you've got beat for beat, and and um, the idea of time being truncated, and then suddenly we hit this point, and literally a timer is set in the film. And then we're off, aren't we? <laughs> like we're we're in we're in the we're in we're almost. I'm, I didn't time it when I watched it, but it felt like I was literally in real time for the last hour or so, in terms of the. Uh, yeah, it was. And when it when it was written, it was written in real time. The whole thing was. Written okay, in so time. let's let's start there then. So when this this idea, you you um, you live out in what Hampshire way? 
So how does a get how does a screenwriter out out in Hampshire end up um, right coming up with an idea and writing about how a, a sort of a thriller of a cop running around the streets of LA? Well, I'm actually in, in Surrey. And Sorry, it really makes much difference. But uh, a bit of a shout out to Farnham in Surrey, which is where I am. But um, we're nearly in Hampshire, so you know, close enough. Um, <laughs> But there is, uh, Stuart, no uh, British film industry of any note. Uh, the, the only thing there is in this country is a process uh, that is full of very talented, creative people who make American films, but they make them here. So, you know, they are uh, cast or crew uh, or, or facilities, um, but they're, they're primarily servicing American product. So if you're writing, if you're an English writer, and you're living in England, I don't think it's really possible to make a, a, a proper career, a financial success of a career writing uh, for the British market because there just isn't any money in it. So the only way you're going to do it is you're going to write for the American market. And that's that's what I've tended to do. Mm. So my uh, I've been writing uh, full time as a screenwriter for 20 years um, and uh, pretty much all of my work has been for Americans. I, I've, everything I've written, more or less, has been set in America with American characters, and it's written to sell to American buyers. And that's really, I think, the only way you can do it. So it doesn't matter these days where you live. It doesn't matter if you live in Los Angeles or if you live in, uh, you know, um, uh, in uh, Farnham. It doesn't make any difference. As long as you've got representation, as long as you have a conduit that allows you to sell product into the United States, you're fine. Um, so, you know, that's how it works for me. I sit here. I tend not to go to the States very often. Um, and I just I, I just write American product. OK, so with that in mind, then, what was the for this idea? then, if that's the commercial sense behind your writing for this particular idea, what was the kernel of that sparked in your imagination? That's me mixing all kinds of metaphors up. Uh, <laughs> that, that got you to to end up writing a script that ended up being in the line of duty. Well, I wanted to write a real time movie. That was the thing okay. um, because there are perhaps a half dozen uh, that have been made, um, and I, I thought I'd I'd set myself a challenge of doing it. And it took a really, really, really long time to do. This is back in 2015, 2014. Okay, I think. Um, uh, I wanted to write a real-time film, and, and uh, I had about six goes at it, and I couldn't make it work uh, for, for one really solid reason. Each time I realised that it wasn't working for the same reason, and yeah. that was that if you were watching this movie, it, although obviously it hadn't been made at that point, if you were reading it on the page, you got bored. You got bored with following the same character all the time because obviously in movies you don't have that. You have the ability to mix and match, to bring people in, to change locations. And so the eye doesn't um, get tired. It, it's You're constantly stimulated. Mm. The, the reason why a lot of the time there aren't very many real-time movies is that if you're following one character who is doing a thing, and really if you're writing a real-time movie, that's what you want to be doing. There are real-time movies that don't, the, the, the remake of... Um, uh, or the original, the taking of Pelham One Two Three, I think, was a real time movie which did jump about. But if you're if you're going to make a real time movie, for the most part, you want to have you want to be with the one person. You want to do a twenty four, if you like. What's what's um, the, out of interest then? What's the kind of when you were sort of developing this idea? What was your 
What's the what's the torchbearer for for the real time movie? Uh, what the, the movie that I wanted to emulate? Yeah, what's what's the one? That the... If, if people don't if people don't can't picture what a what a real time movie is. What's the what's the kind of that? What was the exemplar well, that I... you? There are very few. Uh, there are very few of them, and the ones that there are aren't very good for the reason I've just given you. Um, I guess the taking of Pelham One Two Three, which I think is real time. Um, so you're like a writing uh, masochist, there, then, Jeremy, from what you just said. Well, <laughs> well, I just think it was a real challenge. But but the way I made it work, I yeah. stumbled across the answer. With the way hmm. to make it work is is to I used the girl. So the girl reporter is the is the cheat. Mm. So I was able to, uh, I was able to able to stay with my main character with with Aaron Eckhart, but I was able to watch him from outside sometimes. Mm. So I was able to change the perspective because she was, um, because she was streaming footage live of him all the time. It enables us to be with him, but also to pull away from him and to see him through TV cameras or news broadcasts or whatever it might be. Mm. So you didn't get with him because you were changing perspective and that was the once i'd come across the idea of using her then it made the whole process much easier so in in a, in in in, a, in an original take of this idea there was just aaron Eckhart's policeman running around trying to save a trapped girl and then you added the other character with him yeah so so okay. although she was with him all the time but we, we were able to change perspective and in fact the way it was originally written but they didn't film it this way i had uh cctv footage built in and various other perspectives which mm. i felt you know uh, made it even more exciting but i guess for uh time constraint purposes or for budget purposes some of that stuff fell by the wayside mm. So, so in a sense, you you it was it was more about the plot of your film than it was maybe about making a comment on pervasiveness of um, social media. Yes, there wasn't really a deep social message to, to the uh, to the initial writing. I mean, I think that was kind of layered in later on when we realised that. I was going to say, yeah, because because it, it's hard. It, I mean, there's no finger wagging in the film or anything like that, but it's it's. It's hard not to see it because those initial those initial exchanges where you can see he's going, look, just piss off, and she's like, yeah. no, I'm a journalist, and you're like, no, you're a you're a you're a grown up with a smartphone on a stick. That's not a <laughs> that's not a exactly. journalist. Exactly, that's what that's what he saw. You see, he yeah. just didn't understand this girl with a phone on a stick was powerful. He mm. just didn't understand it because he's a he's a dinosaur. Um, and, and so, you know, it enabled me to be able to, you know, as he understood the power of her as the thing mm. progressed, everybody did as well, as well. Um, although interestingly, I got, I, I got quite a lot of stick, uh, in some reviews from people who felt that I was too, um, sympathetic to the police. I don't think the film is particularly sympathetic to the police actually, but, uh, you know, a lot of people took a political view of, uh, 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 of the story and felt that he came across too well and that, you know, uh, he, uh, as, a, as a sort of a, a street cop, he should have been more nuanced. I mean, I think he is, uh, he was certainly written to be uh, um, flawed and difficult and challenged as a human being, as a person. Uh, but, you know, one of the criticisms we've had is that 
you know, he comes across as too decent and a lot of people feel that, but also not a lot of people, but some people feel that, you know, he, he, there should be more darkness to him. So, you know, it's a, it's a perspective, I guess. That's an interesting point of view. I was, I, it's not so much that I think it's too kind. It, it, it doesn't, it, it, your film doesn't actually pass judgment because there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a film beyond your film, which is clearing up the mess of what he did. Yes, but can you can you these days not pass judgment? Isn't everything, isn't everybody judgmental? Doesn't everybody have a point of view about everything, even things that, that don't concern them really now? And I think that the very fact that it takes a sort of middle path in a way these days, that isn't popular. People like to have a perspective on everything. No, no, I, can, no, I think you open up a conversation. I don't think a film has got no responsibility whatsoever. But I don't think it has all yeah. the responsibility to provide all the answers by going, yes, he would have done this because, yes, he's a very dark man. Whereas if you're an, if you're an ordinary Joe thrown into a situation, you've got fight or flight, haven't you? And in your movie, he, he fights. And so that fight becomes that real-time thing, which is ultimately to save the girl, or not save the girl, but that's his, his motivation is certainly honest and true. Now, whether or not what he does on the way to get there yep. is all is all right, yeah, is something that someone's going to work out afterwards. To say in the film it was right or it was wrong as he as he goes, it would have been like doing a um, like a PhD paper on police procedure, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would. Although, of course, interestingly, he does things wrong all the way through the film. He breaks the law. Uh, he makes mistakes. He screws things up. He makes things worse. I mean, his initial act in killing the guy. Uh, is the thing that screws everything up for everybody in the first place. So, drop your weapons and get down on the ground. You know, he is by no means a winner. And um, certainly in the writing uh, of, of the script, hmm. I wanted to make him um, part of his motivation was was obviously to save the kid. Another part of it was to save himself hmm. because he's screwed everything up all his life he isn't a hero this guy he's 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 deeply flawed we learn things about him as the story progresses which show why this is so important to him but actually you know this is his own redemption as well i mean i don't want to get too deep and meaningful because it is an action thriller but but it is a redemptive there's plenty of room for that diad has plenty of redemption in it and it's still a great action thriller um but you but yeah because you, you you your first scene with him is is a cop sat on the floor shooting the breeze with what a twelve year old kid? You know he's hardly yeah. be, he's hardly being a kind of um, what would you call it like um, a a, a have a go cop. He's just an ordinary guy who's just I guess looking at him in no, without too much, without going too deep into him, like a guy that's kind of fed up with life and what life has given him so far, and then suddenly that turns on its head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing that you do, I think, in amongst all that, and obviously being an action thriller, there's a there's a there's a great history of this. Is that you you play with tone. So we've got a very serious situation, which is girl gonna die, which is obviously very dark and very serious. We've got people being shot, but you don't you don't lose the opportunity when you get them to add a bit of levity to the situation. What do you want? What do I want? You killed my brother. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, there was a sort of a, uh, a lightness to it, 
uh, when I wrote it, which which I tried to keep just about on the the side of the, the line that uh, that the, the you draw when people are trying to save a, a kid who's buried underground. Mm. You know, you, it's not a laugh a minute thing. You don't want to have of gags course. in it. I tried to have a relationship build, building between him and her that allowed for a little levity. I have to say uh, that I think some lines were added in the shooting uh, that I didn't write, uh, where you know where perhaps uh, there was a little bit more levity added than I would have necessarily liked. Mm. I don't know that it spoils anything, but uh, certainly there's, there's there's there are additions which I wasn't overly keen on. Mm. But uh, you know. Uh, you, you, I wasn't on the shoot. I, I turned up for a few days uh, when they were doing helicopter stunts and uh, and some driving uh, stuff. And uh, I, I kind of wasn't really there for the, the deep and meaningful dialogue bits. Uh, and I think uh, possibly some of the actors may have added some stuff of their own. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, there was always a little bit of uh, lightness there. Because uh, you know it's entertainment as well, mm. um, but perhaps there was slightly less than there ended up being in the in the final analysis in the finished project. Mm. And and when when you see an um, <clears throat> excuse me, you see an actor like Aaron Eckhart bring your character to life. Obviously, someone you've imagined on the page for a long time before you see him on screen. What? What for you did he bring to the character that really sort of pleasantly surprised you, and what did he do that what did he do that you were like, yes, that's the character I wrote. Well, he was just great. He understood from the beginning. I know people always rhapsodize about you know actors hmm. because they they might ever have to work with them again, and they don't want to piss them off. But uh, but genuinely, he was perfect. He was in. He was uh, he was attached really really early mm -hmm. and uh we went through a few directors and uh he became, he fell out of the project for a while and then he came back on board uh and you know he was always right as far as i was concerned uh i didn't write it for him really but but once he he sort of came into view and and liked the script he i just knew that he was right for it he's got a sort of uh, a gravitas, a depth to him, which is perfect for the character. He looks like he might be a cop. He's physically fit, uh, weather-beaten face, looks, you know, looks great. Um, and he kind of understood that he wasn't really an action hero in this. Uh, and so that he didn't play an action hero. He played exactly what he should have played, which mm. was you know, this old guy who's who's got one last chance at redemption. And he did it perfectly. And I have to say also, um, and again, this is something that people always do with, with actors and, you know, I'm doing it and I mean it here. He's a genuinely nice guy in, in real life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I liked him very much. You know, we couldn't have chosen anybody better, I don't think. So in a sense then, so, so um, who knew actors are human? It's, Who knew? Exactly. It's, well, most of these people, not, not most of them, many of these people are wankers. I think the idea is that, you know, uh, you're treated like you are somehow amazing. Uh, you're put up in a five star hotel. You're paid lots of money. Uh, people don't disagree with you. It's it's very easy to, you know, slide down that slope. Uh, and he, you know, I only I only knew him for a week. But uh, he did not appear to be that. He appeared to be a really decent guy. 
he worked very hard on the film as well. I think you said something interesting there about what he brought to the character or what he did with the character is that, you know, he knew he wasn't a hero, even though it's a, he's the hero of an action thriller. It's almost like his, his momentum all the way through the film is governed by that, I guess, you, you, you're saying redemption, but I'd also add that it, it's like he's obviously motivated to do the right thing, even if he might take wrong turns along the way. Um, and that's a kind of fine line, isn't it? Because he's not a bit, you know, not to not to keep using this as a reference point, but in the same way that um, in Die Hard, Bruce Willis just has to be the hero. He's got no choice in a way. It's like he's not. He didn't. Yeah, say, he yeah. didn't. He didn't get up that morning going, "Let's be a hero today." Yeah, uh, the, but the, there was the, the, with the Die Hard uh, movie, especially the first one. There was this this thing at the beginning of the film where he was sexy. And the girl in the airport, you know, the, the girl who behind the desk in the airport fancied him and he was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, he had this sort of archness to him uh, and all of that stuff. And when he was talking to the to the, the limo driver, he was sort of, you know, smart and, you know, sassy. So he kind of was a hero, I think, when you're watching that film in this in this film, in 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 in, in the line of duty. Aaron Eckhart is um, is none of those things, you know. He isn't he isn't smart. He isn't really funny. He isn't uh, sexy. He's he's kind of just a guy, and and I like that more, really. I mm. think. Yeah, because it because you don't. I mean, obviously, there's, there's there's the natural age difference between the the uh, the woman who he teams up with and him, but there's never that there's never any creepiness to it, is there? In their relationship, oh, it is no. it is oh, very. God. It, that would have been awful. Can you imagine? Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> a terrible thing. No, no, that was it was always written. I mean, you could say, I suppose, that there was perhaps a slight father-daughter thing going on Of course, on there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but absolutely not. No, I mean, uh, I, I would have, you know, I would have been very upset had they have. I mean, to be fair to everybody involved in the in the process, nobody ever suggested that that might be a thing. Um, so, uh, no, it's uh, it, absolutely. I mean, you know, I was very aware that even just to have levity in conversation was a tricky line to walk based on the fact that they're trying to save the kid. Can you imagine if they were flirting? That would have been even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's in the in the, in in a positive way. It kind of she he's invisible to her, you know, in a sense. In that sense, yeah, you know, yeah. she's that much younger than him. Um, well, he's a, he's a story, Stuart. That's what he is to her. Right up until you know three quarters of the way through the movie, he's he's just a story. That's mm. all he is, uh, and it's only you know at the end of the film when when I don't want to say too much, but when everything's gone wrong, mm. that as she sees that actually there's much more to him than that. You certainly um, throw a lot of stones at Aaron Eckhart's character um, at every turn in your kind of real time chase around. So there's the there's the ultimate goal, which is he he, he wants to save. The child, but then LA throws quite a lot at him, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, it, it's coming through adversity. I think is the, is the thing that tests, that reveals character. Mm. Uh, and you know, so uh, it, it has to be as difficult as it can be without being entirely ludicrous. And that's where um, that's where earlier on I was I was sort of saying, you know being a bit pithy, I suppose, but that idea of you being an English writer doing about L.A., how do you, as a writer, in, 
in southeast England picture this LA that you're throwing him around? Well, remember, he's not. He's being thrown around New Orleans. Now, were he being thrown around LA, um, I'd be happier because I know it pretty well out there. Uh, but I've never been to New Orleans, so <laughs> that was even tougher. But, I mean, really, it's... Uh, it's, you, you just you just do a lot of research um, and uh, uh, for, for logistics reasons, if nothing else. Um, but everything else is character. I mean, it's really easy. If, if he's running around Farnham in Surrey or Guildford, there's no difference uh, other than in uh, in degree, other than in the number of people with guns that there might be in the Orleans. And it's going to be greater than the number of people with guns in Guildford. But in all other respects, everything comes from character. So, you know, it doesn't really it's not that different. It's I, fine. I, I, I mean, suppose, all, I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm adding to that the the um, the ultimate challenge you set yourself, which is this real time, which almost feels like I need to be I need to know every turn, every corner kind of thing. You don't think that was. Yes. That, was that still a challenge for you, though? Did you how did you did you have to sort of lay out the city for yourself? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I've, I've written a, a movie which is set in a maximum security prison. And in order to get that done, I um, I drew a, a, a floor plan of a prison. I created a prison mm. uh, in its entirety with cells and, and uh, um, different blocks and uh, a hairdresser and a, uh, a canteen and all of that stuff that you would need in a prison. And I that so that, that's part of the process of building the story and when i write uh, about a place i'm uh, writing a thing currently which is set in kansas in wichita everything that happens in a in a street that street is there it's in the right place so if a guy runs from one street to another and it's referenced in my script then he's running from that street to that street and those two streets are connected in real life and then uh, i've got a, a a climax that takes place in a particular uh, uh and of course that location is real and uh, they reach that location in the way they would reach it if they were doing it actually in Wichita and I know how the thing looks I know how high it is I know how wide it is I know how many floors it's got and so everything that I do if if you were to live in Wichita and you were to know the locations uh, that I was talking about you would feel that it was legitimate and that it was actually happening I've um I've I've took to the habit of um using TripAdvisor of places I've not been to that I'm trying to write about. Which right. Is, which is quite a funny resource because you get obviously a very personal perspective on places and stuff. <clears throat> but I found it a, a, a great resource. Um, I think it's a good idea. I've not I've not even thought of that. It's a really good idea. So you you your your challenge you set yourself, this is the real time thrill real time action thriller. You've given us this everyman lead character who isn't a hero, but is is sort of forced through circumstance to be the hero. Um, and and outside of the 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 problem solving for your plot of of the uh, the buddy who is actually annoying that becomes more of an ally as the story progresses because they've got this this window into him for social media, which means we can you can make the world so much bigger in terms of how you see his chase around the city. Um, what for you were the main, outside of that kind of structure, what were the main storytelling challenges then from the point of where Chase is on, he's got to save a kid, he's got the social media woman with him. What, what for you were the main storytelling challenges to get you from, from that point to the, to the resolution? 
Well, you've got your baddie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the, the baddie in, in, in this instance um, is uh, um, the, ver- the very good uh, Ben McKenzie, who uh, um, generally plays a goodie in his movies, uh, on his TV shows. From uh, you know Gotham, he's, uh, uh, he's the commissioner. Um, so you've got your baddie, and you have to make your baddie fully formed. So you have to give him a rationale. You have to give him a reason to, to be a bad guy and for wanting to kill Aaron uh, uh, Eckhart and uh, to do terrible things. And he does do terrible things throughout the movie. Um, so um, I suppose the next challenge is to, you know, you haven't got long in an action thriller, right? So it's not, generally speaking, they are an hour and a half because people don't really want to watch more than an hour and a half's worth of intense action. So, uh, you know, you've, you've got to build in uh, a rationale for the behavior. You've got to build in some backstory, which explains why these terrible things are happening. And you have to make them fully formed. Um, and, you know, uh, Ben did a, a, a good job of fulfilling my expectations of, of uh, uh, Dean Keller, who is our who is our killer, um, who uh, will do anything to kill Aaron Eckhart and uh, will do anything to make sure that the girl is not uh, discovered before she dies. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, creating really fully rounded characters, I suppose, is always going to be within the, 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 the genre, within this genre, which is action driven. Mm. That's the thing that elevates the film and turns it into something more than just a series of great uh, action scenes and stunts. Now, we're, obviously, we're in, we're in promotion mode, so we'll avoid the negative. But uh, So in terms of script notes, when you were developing, when this was sort of going, moving into production, what would be one of your favourite script notes that was kind of most useful in terms of taking the story forward for you? I don't... I don't really recall getting very many script notes on this um i don't i'm not a fan of script notes for the most part anyway you're, you're the envy um, of a screenwriter then i think well you know again with action thrillers i think um if, if the if you've done your job properly if the if there are enough thrills and spills and if there's enough logic to it mm. I don't know that you'll get script notes in the way that you would with other kinds of films, with dramas or, you know, w- w- uh, with more elevated um, genres. Um, I mean, you might get people asking for, um, you know, the action scenes to be done differently or could you re- could you remove that helicopter from the script because uh, the, the budget doesn't allow for a second helicopter? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but honestly, uh, uh, as we stand, um, I don't, I don't recall. I don't really have an answer to your question. I don't recall no, that, there that's, being that's that. That's an answer, Jeremy. That's an answer. I, I just, it's just something you know. I've, I've discussed before, and sometimes it's, it can be, you know, people can can observe stuff with a script that that suddenly you're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. But um, if there wasn't any, there wasn't any. There's no need to uh, apologise for that. That's good. I suppose in every. I mean, the, the thing, the, the other thing I mentioned earlier, the the, the maximum security prison thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a, a sort of a prison escape movie, yeah. uh, um, because of the way it's structured, rather cleverly, although accidentally, I can't pretend that I did it on purpose. It's quite hard 
for people to give me notes on it because everything there there are two parallel lines of action one inside the prison and one outside uh, and if you they're all timed perfectly against each other so that if anything comes in which interferes with that where you want to add something or you want to take something away hmm. it throws out the, the 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 parallel line of action if you follow me so um, you know, I'm hoping that certainly so far I haven't had many notes on it. I'm hoping that, that it continues that way because I don't like notes. Notes are mostly irritating. None of us, and, you none know, of us like notes, Jeremy. None of us like them. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to do notes uh, unless they really genuinely improve the script. Hmm. Um, and a lot of the time they don't and it gets awkward because you're pushing back and then you get a, a reputation of being tricky. Some, sometimes you'll get notes that really you look at them and you think, yeah, actually, that's great. That really does help. Mm. But in my experience, they're few and far between those notes. What's your favourite bit that's been translated from script to screen in terms of the film? That when you, maybe a bit you, you sort of pained over for a while or something. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you two answers to that. Go on. Um, uh, I, I, I really like the scene with Bunny uh, in, the, in the apartment where uh, uh, Aaron Eckhart finds himself even further out of his comfort zone than he's been every other step of the movie. And I'm not going to say more about that because that'll become apparent when you see the film. A lovely, lycra, uh, a lovely li- lilac outfit, I should add. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, uh, rather interestingly, is a bit that wasn't in the script okay. that I really like. So they added... Uh, Stephen C. Miller, the director, added a scene that wasn't in the script. So initially, there's a, there's a fight uh, between uh, Goody and Abadi in a, a sort of abandoned building, um, and uh, it was it was a fight in the building, and they jump out of the one of them jumps out and they run a chase, you know, you, off the go and on it goes. Uh, and he, I think, because of the location they had, they, there was an abandoned lift elevator shaft that was full of water and he thought hey wouldn't it be great if they jumped and fell 150 feet into the water and then continued the fight and so uh, obviously they had to build they had to use a tank for the for the landing mm-hmm. um but that's that's what they shot and so that you'll know because you've seen the film yeah, 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 yeah. watching who haven't uh, listening to this who haven't seen the film won't know but they'll know when they see it that's a really great action scene, and it wasn't in the script at all. It was added by uh, Stephen and his guys, and it works really well. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, uh, let's remind people then, how can they see In the Line of Duty? Uh, they can see it everywhere on pay-per-view. Uh, Sky, uh, Amazon Prime, BT Vision, uh, Apple TV. Uh, you can rent it. It's, I think, three ninety-five to rent on pay-per-view. Or you can buy it from uh, Amazon uh, or anywhere else, um, uh, supermarkets and so on and so forth. And I think it's about seven quid to buy on DVD. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, thank you for giving us your time to talk about writing in the line of duty. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thanks very much, Stuart. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, It's hard to know if we're waving or drowning.